0: He wants you. He nominated you at the last meeting and they voted you in unanimously. You're the new Borgata boss now. Congratulations.
1: Fumble fans, it's episode 97. Uh, I have a great guest for us tonight. He's one of my uh, fellow uh, friends here in Sacramento. Uh, Great comic as well. Uh, But I was delightfully surprised recently as I uh, learned that he is way more than just a comic. He has a lot of talent that I was really, um, again, delightfully surprised. But also, he's got a short film out right now that he's worked on. Uh, called shoeless in the woods it's based on a true story um and i can't wait for you guys to hear all about it and i'll have the uh trailer of this you would have seen it at the open of this episode um and uh follow this man um now before i uh bring him on i just wanted to give a couple updates first of all follow me fumble podcast uh subscribe to on uh, to my channel on youtube as always uh, we're closing in on episode 100 real shortly here, um, and I got big plans for that one, um, so stay tuned. Uh, also, follow me uh, on all social platforms, Pejdomaniac. Um, we've got a. Uh, as far as my uh, Saturday comedy music night is concerned, um, we are adding vendors now, and all the comics. Uh, you can now sell your merch at the uh, at Front Street Studio. So bring your merch if you have them. Uh, We're trying to help you guys out more um, to get some extra income uh, from what we love to do. Uh, As far as uh, my motherland, Iran, um, still going on. Full-blown revolution is happening. Uh, New videos emerged, um, despite the internet being cut out, of uh, the 40th anniversary of Mohsen Hosseini and, uh, um, sorry, Mohammed Hosseini, my mistake, and Mohammed Rajavi, uh, they... This, it's the 40th day. They had many, many uh, cities in the streets. And as far as internationally, there was the Munich Security Conference. For the first time, they did not invite the representatives of the uh, IR, terrorist organization. In, instead, they invited uh, uh, former prince uh, Reza Pahlavi, um, uh, Masih Alinejad, and Nazani bunyadi to the conference and You guys can see those videos circulating from uh, last night, I believe, was the conference. So that's a huge step forward um, by Europe to acknowledge um, this coalition as basically the bridgeway to whatever next uh, secular government the people inside Iran want to take uh, place instead of the IR. So um, continue to amplify their voice. It's helping. Uh, And uh, the Iranian diaspora inside of iran and of course the diaspora outside we really appreciate it so going on now let me give you a proper intro for my good friend um davo is what he goes by is a writer comedian and filmmaker from northern california and the founder of wise guy productions okay davo welcome to the episode man
0: thank you sir thank you for having me
1: yeah absolutely man um let's get right into it so the shoeless in the woods, uh, share with the audience the whole journey in, in learning about this story and then bringing it to wanting to uh, write write it for the screen for sh- uh, as the short film, which is incredible. Everyone, uh, I have the link to the short film in the description, so please check it out. It's great. comment, like, subscribe uh, today. Well, did you want to plug your channels as well, by the way? Sure, yeah,
0: we're on YouTube at Wise Guy Productions. Um, uh, as far as uh, studying and everything like that, I'm a nerd as far as the mob goes. I love the mob. Uh, everybody's kind of got their fix as far as what true crime is, and mine has always been the American mafia. I've just been fascinated by it. um and in I want to say like seventh grade or something like that, I read this book called Underboss, and it was written by a guy named Salvatore Gravano. He went by the name Sammy the Bull, and he was a member of the Gambino crime family he rose to be what's called the underboss meaning he's the second in command to the boss he relays the boss's orders to the street and things like that um, and he was one of the a member of one of the five New York families which are the big families we don't really have the mob in California or on the west coast it's mainly a midwest and east coast thing and he rose to that uh, second in command position he got arrested in 1990 and turned state's evidence in 1992 and in the process of doing that, he confessed to just a whole litany of crimes. And this whole thing with Johnny Keys Simone was one of those things that he confessed to. And I remember reading it, and there's this, there's this weird little thing that Johnny Keys does in the film, and he did it in real life. And Sammy and the other killer just couldn't figure it out. They were just so befuddled by why this guy wanted to do this and everything like that. And there were a number of things that happened along the way uh, that made Sammy really kind of regret having to kill him. Or at least that's what he said in his FBI testimony, and I was just kind of fascinated by that because a lot of mob killings are really cut and dry; they're just shooting him in the back of the head, they're dumping him into the lake, and we never see the guy again. And with this, there was actually a story throughout, so it was fascinating. Yeah,
1: that is fascinating. Um, and you know, without spoiling it, um, you have to check out the the short film to to see what uh, Johnny Keys does or, or decides to do. Um, uh, in the trajectory of the film um now what uh you were inspired by it obviously but uh to then uh come up with the idea of of recreating that on the screen um how was that process like first of all how long did it take from beginning to end to say okay i want to put this on screen and then you run run off with it
0: it was my first film so it took about a year and a half and okay. it shouldn't usually take that long. But like I said, it was my first. So I screwed up a lot. <laughs> it, it was when I originally wrote it, I really wanted to to, to completely recreate it. Um, we were going to do uh, try and recreate New York at that time, um, try and recreate the accents and everything like that. And what I quickly realized was that without a budget, that wasn't happening. Yeah. So we relocated it to Sacramento, California, modern times. That way we don't have to worry about the accents. We don't have to worry about recreating that timeline and everything like that. And just kind of put it in the modern times. We didn't do the mob. We did what was called the Borgata. We had, it was just kind of a multi-ethnic criminal group that was operating in Sacramento and just adapted it to Sacramento, which I kind of dig. There's a bunch of different references to Sacramento and and local areas in it too. So
1: Yeah, that's cool because yeah, you're kind of, um, you're referencing, uh, two different, uh, areas in the country, uh, with one story, which was, uh, and, and Sacramento deserves some love. Give Sacramento some love, damn it. Yeah, <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's cool, man. Um, and you, you, you took the role of Johnny keys and, um, and, uh, how was that? that first of all, incredible work for it being your first film <laughs> that you Thank worked you. on. Cause I, I love the cinematography. Uh, I love the choices you made as, from the acting side but also directing side because you directed it too right yes yeah 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 yeah. incredible work all around um and and uh as as far as the um the real people in the story were you did you reach out to them or, or the um sammy i believe you said is his name um it, were you able to get any um conversations with him or at all is he alive still
0: He's still alive. It, his it, his story is so interesting. He's he's been just a professional scumbag his whole life. Like that that's just his his whole thing is I'm a scumbag and I continue to be a scumbag no matter what. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. he turned state state's evidence in 1992 and he got less than five years in prison for killing 19 people and
1: a whole litany of other crimes. That's oh, wow. an
0: insane deal.
1: You know, How like, did he get away the, with? I mean, that's that's the ties to the mob, I guess. That's the,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and it was he was involved in a big time case where they really wanted to get this big name boss. So I, I mean, maybe that factored into why they gave him such a lenient sentence. But still, less than five and a half years for killing nineteen people is pretty insane. Um, right. He went into the witness protection program. He wrote a book. He got paid for a movie that was made out of the book, and then he got caught selling drugs with white supremacists in Arizona yeah what? yeah what year was that that was like 2002 that was uh um, somewhere around there you know and he wow. gets 20 years in prison for that comes home i want to say three years ago because he did do the 19 years in prison for the, the big drug ring and now he runs a youtube channel where he talks about what a big bad gangster he used to be
1: <laughs> talk about not i mean he did his time that is uh five years for 19 murderers you said
0: yeah
1: 19 murderers got five years drug bust 20 years (laughs) like yes that's i never thought
0: about it that way either But that's interesting he got more time (laughs) for selling drugs than killing 19 people
1: now what i my own theory on that without having any knowledge of uh studying this person uh or looking him up uh and you can correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like that could have been like a like an unwritten, like, sentencing. Like, they loaded him up on that because he got away with the 19 murders and he only did five. I My, my unprofessional opinion on that, but uh, I don't know. I just feel like... Because I feel like O.J. Simpson kind of got the same treatment, you know? Like, when he got... You remember what happened, like mm-hmm. when he went, he did like so much time for such a petty theft, and then, you know, because he got away in '96 or whatever. So, um, I think the judge
0: even said in that one too, like, I, I assure you, this isn't we'll payback for whatever it was, and everybody was kind of like, yes, it is. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the fact that she said that is like, okay, that that kind of <laughs> you're you're basically saying it with Sammy,
0: like with Sammy, like that. You know, it's. At that point, it's like, why not just send him back to prison for the rest of his life? You know what I mean? Right, right. He, got, right, this, yeah, he yeah. got this gift given to him where he had to testify against somebody, and then he he got this book deal and a movie deal, and the guy still hooked up with a bunch of drug dealers and started doing whatever he was doing, and he, you know, still got a third, fourth, fifth chance, so I should make a movie about <laughs> that. I should call it the happiest rat of all time.
1: <laughs> right, yeah. Man, that's, uh, I mean, I'd watch it. Shit but um it's like the 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 cr- the criminal world i mean mob I, i'm not a uh like my lane as far as true crimes has always been about serial killers and like their like where they go and you know how their mentality just takes them so like i i and i love documentaries and then um like uh films or 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 a series that they do you know like like the Dahmer series i i watched that yeah that was great um and evan peters was incredible like after after he played that role like now when i just see his regular face i'm like i still see Dahmer, like because it's it just like rewired it in my brain but before that i never had seen him to play Dahmer because he was really he got his his break with uh american horror story and then he got really big from that but uh anyway it's uh the mindset of of these guys, right? So like like you you said, you know, Sammy was just a professional scumbag, but like where that came from, like what was his childhood like? Was he just born into the mob? I'm, I'm sure you. I mean, if you have any insight on that, please share. Because because uh, Dahmer, you know, he was he was a victim at some point himself, right? Like and and the way his dad just exposed him to to all the animals and everything, and then just kind of screwed his mentality up, right? Um, apparently he also had an accident as a kid. Anyway, it's not about Dahmer. I want to focus on Sammy as far as like, if you have any information on that, like, how did he, like, how was his childhood like, or what kind of family was he born into and all that?
0: Yeah. Well, no, it does make sense what you're saying. Like, is it nature versus nurture?
1: Right. Um, Right.
0: And Sammy actually, ironically, He did not come from a bad background. He grew up in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. Uh, His parents were uh, first-generation Sicilian immigrants, but they had a dress factory that they operated. It was a union dress factory. They had a lot of money. They had a summer home in Long Island that they would go to. But Sammy pretty much says from the start that from about seven years old, he walked into a grocery store and would just start stealing cupcakes on a daily basis. Like It was just kind of in him from the start, no matter how good his parents were that he was right. just destined to be this, this scummy little guy. And he got involved yeah, yeah, yeah. in crime, like he said, from seven years old.
1: Man. So like, so that begs the question, cause I always, I always wonder about this and I don't know if there's ever like a concise answer, but uh, like the, the evil seed, I guess, or like the, 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 you know what I mean? Like the, yes, uh, is that, is, Do you believe that exists? Like there is something like that? Someone can be born like with that demonic uh, or that evil tendencies? Yes.
0: There's a, a, man, especially out here in California, like we don't really have the mob here. Um, But we do have a lot of prison gangs. And I've read a book uh, by a guy named uh, Boxer Enriquez, who was just recently released from prison after 20 years. And he's a longtime member of the Mexican Mafia. And he's a lot like Sammy in that he came from a very nice suburban neighborhood in Southern California. His parents had a nice business. Uh, They had enough money to, you know, set him up very nicely in life. And he chose to go three or four blocks over from like the age of nine to another neighborhood, join a gang, start selling PCP, start pulling drive-by shootings. By the time he was 17, 18 years old, he was on his way to the prison. And it was like, no matter how good these people were, no matter how good they treated him, no matter what opportunities they gave him, this guy, no matter what, wanted to, for whatever reason, go down that dark path. And I think Sammy was a lot like that too. He he just really liked the power that that, that, that afforded him.
1: Man, that's, yeah. I I don't know. I I always feel like maybe I'm just like a hopeless optimist. <laughs> I'm just like always thinking like, People can change and shit, but I don't know. I, That's I, good, though. You know, <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I, I. It's good to think that way, but I don't know if the reality is that way. You know what I mean? It's just like, um, and I, I hate just throwing a blanket statement, of, you know, on like a group of people. Like, oh, okay, if people think this way, then then th- there's no chance that like any of them can change. I, I can't think that way, but I also know that there's a lot of evidence to disprove this idea that i have that people can actually be better than whatever their nature in this case is telling them to do right so right and they had both they both had good nurtured uh upbringing so anyway it's a it's a riveting topic just because you know like the human mind and where it goes and and you know what what it's capable of you know uh i mean for crying out loud you can eat people like Dahmer did or you know you can also be uh someone like you know nelson mandela like so it's like how how does that happen and, and i i do believe the human like eight billion of us i do believe like we're all connected somehow just because of the day-to-day uh similarities in our in our lives like in our lives just like like i the older i get to i just feel like i I go through some shitty days, and I'm like, "Oh man, is this happening to me?" And then I talk to people about it. They're like, "I've been through the same exact thing." Like, and it's like, and that's not like reserved like five people. Like hundreds and hundreds of people I've spoken to. They're like, "Yeah, I've been through that exactly." And it's not something broad like, "Oh, having to wait in line in the DMV." Like, it's not something like you know what I mean. It's not like a basic thing like that. It's much deeper, you know, like like a mental, like journey that you go through and someone else has been through that exact thing. And then in the comedy world for us, like we've we have a bunch of commonalities in that lane, right? Like it's like it's like man, I don't feel funny today, for example. And then I've talked to you about it in past in the past and you're like, "I know, I've been through that." Like it's like I don't feel and it's like that to me is like something bigger than just our day-to-day personal life experience. I feel like that's something that's beyond uh our individual minds i think it's something connecting us but what are your thoughts on that
0: well exactly what you just said like with with comedians you take that emotional ride every time you get up on stage about just how you feel about yourself how you feel about what you're doing Uh, friday night uh, i did a show and i got up there and i felt like i had a really bad set like i felt like i did not connect with the audience i didn't feel like i was making people laugh and the next two comics who got up in fact, the next three comics got up. Every comic that got up after that, there were not a big audience there, but they made that audience their entire world, made them laugh, got up there and were happy as all hell. And it was a lesson for me of like, hey, man, you know, whatever's going on before you get on stage, when you get on stage, be happy. You know what I mean? It's gonna yeah. be a happy set. And when I got That's up last so night, true. you know, ran into it with that mindset and had a, a killer set, an amazing set so it's Good. it's that's one of those things like you're and you take that journey throughout the day as well it's just that roller coaster right. of life of going up and down and up and down i think comics like to just hit that extreme button with it though they like to get up on stage hey. and get that extreme sense of laughter that extreme sense of failure where it's just dead silent
1: right right it's true that's true um and i believe it's uh it's prevalent at any point of your career in comedy because I'm I'm thinking about some of my uh, inspirations growing up, like like the Jim Carrey's, like the stand-ups that he did, you know, and that amount, and not just his stand-up, his movies too, like the the way he was like I've been looking at his life from like his twenties when he made that big break with In Living Color and then going on to uh his special that is on YouTube and then like going on to uh, you know, Ace Ventura and and just the amount that he has and he's been like he's said he has depression like he's talked about it right like he's openly talked about it and it's like to go like you said the extremes right um it's just again that connection that it's like i i'm the older i get i start to see someone who's always happy and always smiling and wants people to have fun around them whether they're a comic or not it's like they're carrying something you know they're carrying something that's uh that's that's gotten them to this point you know and, and you know i i can say i myself i feel that uh from time to time and then i'm sure you 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 have your own version of that but
0: have it's interesting seen, man uh, oh i'm sorry yeah. no, 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 no. Say, have you no uh, have you ever seen jim and andy
1: i have not oh, Is- oh yes yes for uh for his movie it was a documentary
0: yeah. on the making of A Man in the Moon, right?
1: He said nice, something nice. in that movie that I thought was
0: great, and I carried it with me. It's something that totally it, it pushed me to get into stand-up comedy. He talked about his dad, and he said that his father uh, spent 40 years working at this plant, but his dad was the funniest guy he had ever met. His dad could have been a stand-up. He could have been a legend, but he worked up 40 years because he had these kids. He had this wife. He had to take care of them. And at the 40-year mark, right before he was going to hit his retirement, they fired him. And Jim Carrey said that's what pushed him to go to Los Angeles and become a stand-up comic, because you can work your whole life at something you hate and still fail. Why not try for something you love?
1: Yes. And I've always remembered that quote from him. So was he one of your inspirations, too? Yeah, uh, not at first. Uh, yeah. I didn't know he did stand up until later on,
0: but I remember seeing yeah. Dumb and Dumber and Ace Ventura and just thinking, oh, my God, this guy is hilarious. How is he doing this? How is he getting the entire – you know when you sit in the theater and everyone in the movie theater is laughing hysterically? Yeah. That's yeah. the first time I'd ever seen something like that happen was him. So wow. him and Robin Williams yeah. were those two guys who could do Robin it. And Williams. Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy was great too. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, no, that quote is uh from Jim. I, I I remember that. And yeah, that hit me as well. Just how um like if you're gonna <laughs> basically for me it's just like do what you your gut tells you to do, right? And and whether like I, I'd rather fail at that and knowing I tried something I love, right? Than than hating my job, just like he says. And and I feel like now you I don't know how much you want to get into this, but you came from medical side, uh, right? That was what you used to do, or you still do that? Or
0: no, for for ten years I was an EMT, and about two years ago I stopped doing it so that I wouldn't go insane. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah
1: yeah, 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 it was too so, much. Right. It's um. Now you obviously you did you went you got you did schooling for all of that. Now, did you was that a career that um. You enjoyed initially, and then you got jaded by it later, or did you always kind of just did it because it had good money in it, or how was it? How did it? Well, well that was
0: it. You hit the nail right on the head. Is I I got into it because I had a couple of uncles. My family comes from the Bay Area, and I had a couple of uncles who were Oakland Fire, and they just told me and my brother like get into EMS because there's always going to be sick people. That's job security, and I got into it because it was one of those deals where I wanted to get paid. I had been told that that was a place you could make some money, and I wanted to help people. And when you first get into it, you have this impression of, like, I had seen the movie Backdraft, and that was my impression of what EMS was. People called 911, there was an emergency, you showed up, you saved the day, and you took them to the hospital. And when I got in there, I realized that 80% of the people who were calling didn't have an emergency. It was mainly mental health, uh, drug abuse, something like that. You would have a lot of regulars that you were taking in and out of the hospital who really should have been being assessed by a mental health facility and taken care of properly. Um, it was really dangerous where you could get attacked. I've been attacked by homeless people. I've been I haven't been stabbed, but I've had my skin torn open by them where they were scratching at me and pulling at me and things. Um, drug rehab centers and things like that. You don't get paid a lot if you get hurt and you have to stay home or go to the doctor. You're paying for that, especially if you don't have a um, if you work at a place that doesn't offer PTO, if you don't have a union. Which you know, unions can be good and bad things. That's a whole other issue into itself too. And after a decade of it, I, I had just kind of had enough. I was just kind of done wearing the Superman cape and and kind of hung it up and went to go to another. And as much as I hate to say this, it was one of those things where I knew financially I wasn't going to be able to make it. Mm. So I just had to move on.
1: Right, right. Well, uh, and how long did you want to do comedy? Like, how, when did you decide I want to do this?
0: I was a wuss because I knew I wanted to do it when I was a teenager and I didn't get on stage until two years ago. So, Listen, if anybody's I have out a very there, very similar away, story to
1: you. Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: exactly. Yeah, like yeah. it's it's one of those things where you tell younger people, there's Daniel that always comes to your mic at, um, yeah, and I see yeah. Him too. He's 16 years old, he's uh, getting people to laugh at right now, as is by the right. time he's 26, he's gonna be that next Jim Carrey
1: or somebody like that. So, thousand percent, thousand percent. So, dude, I. Yeah, I talk to him all the time. I'm like, please don't stop. Like, <laughs> you're gonna, you know, you're gonna go through your twenties and you're gonna get these ideas and you're gonna think there's gonna be a-. I was like, just keep fucking going because Yeah, that guy's talented. He's gifted. He has it. He like he reminds me of Mitch Hedberg. I saw him last night, actually. Uh yeah, he, he has a total like a Mitch Hedberg style. Um uh, and yeah, I just want him to you know, he's and his his one liners are great. Um uh, Follow Mitch Hedberg. Free plug. I mean, not Mitch Hedberg. <laughs> Mitch Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg Light. Don't follow Mitch Hedberg. He's no longer around. <laughs> but yeah. Um, no, follow uh, Daniel Goldenhaber. He's uh, he's an up-and-coming comic here in Sacramento. Uh, and uh, he's going places. But man, yeah. I, I I started comedy at 30... I had my first set at 34, 35. So it was like, you know, I, I went through this whole life kind of like, similar to you. But for me, it was like the you know, go finish college, get a job, uh, work, work your, uh, lucky for me, my job, it wasn't something I I ended up hating. Like for me, my job was music, right? I teach music and, and I was always been a musician. So, uh, so that's kind of what I'm doing now even, uh, and I don't plan on stopping that necessarily because it is one of my loves. It was my first love into entertainment. Um, but that's what's
0: so unique about your mic. Is that your mic is so great and so unique because you and your and I always it's Roger right? Is your Dennis uh,
1: Dennis? Dennis, I'm sorry, We're, I don't know where no, I got fine.
0: Roger from. But you and it's Dennis,
1: a, I, I just yeah. So I just told them to follow energy. Mitch Hedberg, so it's not a it's, your your <laughs> mistake is a lot better than mine.
0: <laughs> but yeah, your that's what makes your mic so great is you guys have the music and the comedy and it's a great vibe for everybody. So
1: that's right yeah thank you man yeah it's fun uh and we love it we're you know we're we're adding uh vendors now and uh we're adding um merch for people for comics who have merch to come sell it we want to we want to sustain it you know uh donate by the way people listening um go on my instagram page Domaniac. i have the uh donation link for atrium which is uh uh the mother company to uh nonprofit to um Front Street Studio, which is they're right next to each other, um, support them, uh, support artists. Um, you know, we we want to continue to do this for many, 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 many Saturdays to come. Um, but man. And so you started two years ago in comedy and and you've been in. When did you start working on films? I know this was your first project shoeless in the woods. But um, when did that did you want to do that, too, from a young the young Devo? Yeah,
0: I did, I, but I've been doing acting for about 12 years now. I went oh, to a yeah. – um, I don't know if you know where Studio 24 is at.
1: I've heard of it. I haven't yeah, heard it's, of where it is, so.
0: It's out in Folsom, and I uh, started going there because I didn't have any background in acting. And I went there for about 10 years, and now I'm just out on my own. I'm hoping to move down yeah. to L.A. here pretty quick. So,
1: Hey, nice. I know someone else is moving to L.A.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's right. No, uh, it's – I mean, I – your acting skills in, in this short film was incredible. And I don't just say that because you're my friend. I, I say that because I meant it. I reached out to you. I was like, dude, I need to see. I want, I want you on here because I was really impressed by the story arc, the acting, the details. Even the other actors, they were great in their roles. They were um, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, they were really great. Um, but, man, this is cool. Uh, check out Devo. Follow him. Uh, plug your ch- uh, channels again oh uh wise guy productions on youtube wise guy productions on youtube go subscribe to wise guy productions on youtube uh, c- uh subscribe to fumble podcast uh this is episode 97 um devo uh, uh check him out in the sacramento uh comedy scene he's uh he's getting bookings now and he's uh he deserves all of it cuz he's hilarious um he has some funny stories to share about uh uh at superheroes <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll just say that and you guys can uh, hear it live and in living color uh as a callback to jim carrey but um yeah man uh this is great uh davo uh best of luck to you in your future um uh, career in this comedy and film uh do you have anything coming up by the way that you you want to tell i oh, got a show
0: at henry's lounge on wednesday night at eight o'clock
1: Perfect, because as of the time, uh, that's Wednesday the, what, 20, uh, what's the date on that? 22nd, I think. 22nd. That's perfect because this episode is out right now. It's a Tuesday. So tomorrow, uh, go check out Devo at Henry's Lounge. It's a great, uh, and they have great food there. Um, Get good food and uh, laugh your ass off. So there you go. And I'm going to be there too, so I'm going to go support. All right. Hell yeah. Hey, uh, this is episode 97. Um, this is my good friend Devo, uh, shoeless in the woods is in the description and then subscribe, uh, to his channel. I'm Pej Thank you guys for uh, tuning in. We're closing in on episode 100. Again, amplify the voice of Iran. Um, all the more, the, the quicker the IR will be out and we can have a free, uh, Iran waiting. Uh, I'll see you guys on episode 98. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.